0: Father, we come this morning and we sing your praises in particular and especially for the last lyric we sang, for the grace of salvation. Father, you have been so kind to us, those of us who have you brought into your kingdom by faith in your son. You are so kind to all of those who are yet to be in your kingdom that they can hear the gospel of your son. May today be the day that they could sing praise from their heart for the salvation that has been wrought. In Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray, Amen. Good morning, Grace Fellowship Church. Quite a week. It's really cold out there. Lots of snow. Uh, it kind of so until This morning, uh, I got a text from someone who assumed we were having church, but wanted to make sure. And um, I'm I'm thankful that. <laughs> We don't have a lot of those texts. This is the Lord's Day, and we gather, and as we can, we all desire to be here, that we can worship together. Um, I was just thinking about this because yesterday uh, the Iowa girls team played, and they played Indiana, who's a, a ranked team also, and it was sold out. And the commentators made sure they mentioned that in spite of the blizzard and the negative degree temperatures and the 24 inches of snow we've had this week, it was sold out, and they couldn't see an empty seat. And yet, the number of churches that canceled today is mind blowing to me. That it's part of what the pre-sermon i had already thought about it. It's it's kind of what fits into all this. We live in a we live in a, a culture and a time that um, uh, people call post-Christian. Uh, I was sent a uh, a link to a. An interview with Piper with John Piper and John MacArthur from October of 2022, and uh, the topic was how Christians are to prepare for persecution. Remember uh, John MacArthur's church in the state of California with all of the Gavin Newsom restrictions and the, and the court battles about gathering and all those things. You know he was he was fresh off of the conversation about persecution and how Christians ought to be preparing themselves for that. And in that that interview john MacArthur made the point that you know people think we're a post-christian society in other words christianity was the was the the rule of the day in america and now we're kind of a a post-christian we're we're after christian where there's still vestiges of and and um focus on or a or core of christianity and he argues he doesn't think that's true and I happen to agree with him. He, he would call this a pre-Christian culture. Uh, he would say, and I would agree, that this culture that we live in now is completely pagan. It is, it is no different than, uh, than the, um, the, the culture is, is malek worship and Baal worship. That really what we live in. And, and um, that we really ought be expecting uh, the persecution that we see in the early church because that was the culture. It was Baal worship and Melech worship in the Old Testament and then in the New Testament. And, and if we indeed live in a pre-Christian culture, and don't get hung up on the terms post-Christian, pre-Christian, don't argue in your mind, just know this. The world we live in is pagan. It is, it is evil. We we. Again, we, we know these things, but we, we literally in this country alone kill thirty five hundred babies a day. Molech worship, Baal worship. We we redefine marriage, our our Supreme Court justices redefined marriage. It's 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 a it's a it's a pagan culture, it's a dark world. And and I really believe that we ought to be preparing ourselves for persecution. What do you do in a pre-Christian world? What do you do in a world that doesn't know about Christ? Well, really, just read our New Testaments. What do we do? Well, we go out and we proclaim Christ everywhere we go. That's what we do. We go out and we tell people of the hope they can have in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. We, we, we We don't try to redeem something. We proclaim Christ. There's nothing to redeem. We proclaim Christ. Redemption is in and through Christ, yes? That's what we proclaim. That's what we do. That's what we do in a pre-Christian culture. We, We be more thankful than ever for our own salvation. That's what we do. We be thankful for our salvation. We be thankful for the salvation that's made available to our children and to our friends and to our family through Jesus Christ we be thankful and we we proclaim that. If we indeed start facing persecution as we live in this world, we need to trust in the sovereignty of God. We need to trust in the sovereignty of God. We talk about God, you know, the, the, I think it's a Spurgeon quote, about, about God's sovereignty to be the pillow that we can lay our head upon and rest. Well, I would argue we, 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 need, to be, we need to remember that and be ready to trust in the sovereignty of God. As we go forward in this this world without Christ, we should be ready to suffer persecution. Actually be readying ourselves to suffer persecution. I think it was Brother Jason, that's who sent me the link. And then we were talking about, he looks forward to the time he can come visit me in jail. And we chuckled. But I'm serious about that. I'm, I'm serious. I really believe, again, I'm no prophet, but... We are in a time right now, I've said this since Obergefell, I've said this almost since I started pastoring, but certainly for the last few years, there's going to be a time where standing up and preaching this book, preaching the things that Christ preached and taught, will become hate speech. And if you make it on the radar of the wrong people, you will be in prison for those things. I, I, I firmly believe that. And in some ways, I actually look forward to it. I look forward to suffering persecution for the name of Christ. And I'm certainly readying myself, and I hope we all are readying ourselves, because that's what we must do in this pre-Christian culture, in this godless, Christless culture. And And then we can be very hopeful in what God will do in our sufferings and through this time of trial if it comes. We've talked about this before. And if you look into church history, uh, the gospel really goes forth. It went forth in the early church. It goes forth when persecution is the greatest. And, and God's people will, will, uh, will have hope even in suffering trials. It talks about the scriptures teach us that we consider these suffering, these trials. We consider them joy because they build in us hope and endurance and character. And they, they build all these things in us. And, and it really gives us an opportunity. What, we have to be very careful to try, try not to uh, return America to a Christian country. There's no such thing. And, and this is not a millennial conversation that I'm having. It's not an eschatological conversation. The conversation is simple. If if a world is Christless, what they need is Christ. That's what they need. And we are to bring Him to them. That's what we are to do. And we are to be ready to be persecuted, and we are to have joy in that persecution, hope in what God will do through that time, and be thankful for our own salvation. Be thankful for your own salvation as you look around you in the world we live in. Amen. All right, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 13. I know one thing we've done is we've given handouts with the Scriptures on it, and that's fine, that was a request, and we still do that. But I would encourage you to have your Bibles, whether it's electronic or paper, and you open them. Um, I don't know. For me, writing in my Bible is something I do to take notes when I hear preaching. and I think having our Bibles open, it, it, it helps us to be familiar with the Scriptures, and I think that's good for us. So in part two of this section of scripture that I've titled, Enter Through the Narrow Door, I've titled it that because that's what it says right in the text. So please stand as I read Luke chapter 13, verses 22 through 30. Luke chapter 13, verses 22 through 30. He went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us. Then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God but you yourselves cast out. And people come from east and west and from north and south and recline at table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first and some are first who will be last. You may be seated. As I said last week, and I... Say the same thing this week. This passage of scripture has been very edifying and encouraging to me, and it's reproved me as well. In Second Timothy, it says this, starting in verse three, uh, chapter three, verse sixteen: All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, didaskalia, teaching, learning, for reproof, refuting of error, is what that word means. For correction, that word is paideia, chastening, um, correcting mistakes. And for training, I'm sorry, that's, that's paideia. The correction word is to uh, restoration to a right stand, right state. For training, paideia. For the, in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. He then, Paul says to Timothy, teaching him, how to be a pastor. How to carry out the work of an evangelist. I charge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who is, judged, who is to judge the living and dead, and by His appearing in His kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Preach the word, popular or not popular. And here's what the word's going to do. It's going to reprove. Again, convict. Tell of one's faults. Rebuke. To, to, to tax with fault. To chide. To rebuke, and exhort, to beseech, to beg, to admonish, with complete patience and teaching. So the word of God, as we see there, is to change us. It's to chasten us. It's to correct our errors. It's to teach us. It's to get us back to a right state. It's to it's to tell us of our fault. It's to. Encourage us and beseech us. And so this is what's actually happened in my life forever, but particularly these last few weeks. The, the word of God for us, beloved, that's how it ought to affect us. We ought to come ready to be changed. Ready to be reproofed and corrected. Ready to be rebuked and exhorted. And trained in righteousness. That we would be completely equipped for every good work. And and I'm hopeful that will be the result of every week's preaching. And certainly today. So, let's review last week's sermon. We continue down to verse 30. Jesus Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. He went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Remember? Remember? Back in Luke 9, Jesus was leaving Galilee and he was going to go down through Samaria on his way to Judea. He had his face set like flint towards Calvary, towards the cross. And he is headed towards Calvary and the cross. He went on his way, teaching his way through towns and villages. So he's on his way to his cross, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Perea, remember, that was a journey, a going that has Purpose. Pursuit. So he was not just passing through as he was headed to the cross. He had a purpose. And that purpose was to proclaim the kingdom of God. Everywhere he went. And then he was the example to Paul. Paul then tells Timothy in 2 Timothy. He says, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. He says in 1 Corinthians 10, Everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that that of many, that they may be saved. Be imitators of me as I am imitator of Christ. Paul says, as Christ journeyed with a purpose, his whole purpose was for the sake of the elect, I, Paul, am doing the same thing. Everything I do is for the sake of the elect, for the sake of God's people, for the salvation of God's people. And then for us, we looked at 1 Peter 3, but in your hearts, honor Christ as Lord, as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do with gentleness and respect. The first thing we talked about last week that I want to remind us of, we are to be like Christ, like Paul, like Peter. We are to live on purpose. As we are going, where are we going? To glory. That's where we're headed, brothers and sisters. And as we're headed to glory, we have something we're to be doing. We are to be bringing people with us as far as we're concerned and who can be saved as far as we're concerned anyone so as far as we're concerned we're bringing everybody with us and that's how we should walk that's how we should go and as he's doing this someone said to him lord will those who are saved be few will those who are saved so so Rescued from danger, divine, those to enter the kingdom of God. Will it be few? And then we considered how we might answer. And I hope we remember the example we got from Jesus. He did not say as many as the sands on the seashore. He didn't say as many stars in heaven. He didn't say millions and millions. He He didn't make these listeners that ask him this question, he didn't make it so broad it seemed like everyone's going. Nor did he say that just a very few, only the elect, only those God's chosen before time began, and then go on to explain the sovereignty of God. No, he doesn't do that. What does he do? He makes the listener consider his own life, their own lives. He says, the guy says, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And Jesus changes the focus of the question from God's, the, the mind of God as far as the number of those in glory. Or would it just be the Jews? Or would it be all the Jews? Or just a few of the Jews? Is that what you're saying? He changes the focus of his question from that to a focus on their own standing before God. He makes it about their salvation. Not about all Of God's mind for salvation. So he says to them. When the man asked. Lord will those say be few. He said strive to enter through the narrow door. For many. I tell you will seek to enter. And will not be able. He says to strive. To enter. Agonizomai. Where we get the word agonize. Agony. Make effort. Strive to do with intensity and effort. To struggle. To fight. He tells this man and the listeners. Fight. To enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek. Remember, we talked about between seeking and striving. Many will, will desire heaven, but won't find it. You should fight and struggle to find it, to enter through the narrow door. And what is the narrow door of salvation? How does one enter into the kingdom of God? In and through Jesus Christ alone. He is the door. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through Him. And then, and then so, so how to enter into the kingdom of heaven is confess Jesus Christ as Lord and believe into Him. The way to heaven is one of striving to enter through Christ. Not trying to enter any other way because there's a lot of ways that seemed the way to go to heaven. And for these Jews, it was their law. It was their lineage. No, you have to enter through Christ. And when you enter through Christ, then you will continue to strive not to enter because you're already entered. You will strive because you have entered the kingdom of God. You will seek holiness and righteousness. And then last week, at the very end, we saw, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you. I do not know where you come from. Jesus explains to them that the door will shut. It will soon shut. And when the door shuts you will no longer be able to enter. Your destruction at that point is sure. And we looked at the ark, Noah's ark. We looked at the destruction. I want everybody to think about that. Actually think about what happened. There was an ark that was built by Noah with a door. A door to enter into, to safety. Noah was a man of righteousness. He preached this door. And the only ones who entered through this door were Noah and his sons and their wives. Eight people. And then two of every kind of animal, yes? They entered through the door and then visualized what happened when that door shut. As it says in Genesis, the door, they were shut in. And when they were shut in, what happened to all the rest of humanity? Who knows how many billions of people? All the rest of humanity was shut out. And then what happened? The earth opened up and water came forth, and water came from the sky, and the earth was flooded, and everyone drowned. Can you imagine drowning? Imagine cement shoes at the bottom of a pool. And you can see, but you, you, you see what's coming, and you're starting to drown, and you're gasping, and you're fighting, and you can do nothing. Can you imagine what they would have been saying outside of that ark? Let us in! The door is shut. Destruction was done. Every single creature. Verse 21 of Genesis 7. And all flesh died that moved on the earth. Birds, livestock, beasts, all swimming creatures that swarm on the earth. And all mankind... Everything on the dry land in whose nostrils nostrils was the breath of life died. He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground. Man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. They were blotted out from the earth. This is what happened. This was the wrath of God. Because the, the hearts of men were deceitful and wicked always. And so he destroyed every single human being. They had no hope. As soon as that door shut, no more chance to be saved. Here in verse 25, when once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin, you, you, you've asked me, you Jew, and then you all listeners, you're asking me about the kingdom of God. Once the master of the house shuts the door, you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord opened us. Then he will answer, I do not know where you come from. This shut door concept we see throughout Scripture. We see it in the parable of the ten virgins. Five that have their they're ready and the five that aren't ready. Uh, verse 10, those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was shut. Verse 12, 11, and afterward the other virgins came also saying, "Lord, Lord, open to us." But he answered, "Truly I say to you, I do not know you." Now, think about that. These 10 versions were all pretty much the same, the same the same from the same socioeconomic religious Jewish people. They were all the same. And so they all would have had the same invite, if you will, to meet the bridegroom. They were the bridesmaids. So they're all knew the bride and knew the bridegroom and some of them were told no you don't get to come in because you weren't ready the door was shut even though even though they then called him Lord Master they acknowledged that he has the authority to let them in no more entry into the marriage feast Isaiah 55 6 and I want everyone in here to listen to me listen to the word of the Lord Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Because if you don't and that door shuts, it will be too late. 2 Corinthians 6, 2. For he says, in a favorable time, I listened to you. In a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is a favorable time. Behold, now is a day of salvation. Jesus was telling them that he was right there. The kingdom of God was in front of them. Enter through that narrow door. And if you don't, the door is going to be shut on you. This is the message we are to evangelize. This is what we need to be telling our children that don't know Christ. Today is a day of salvation. This is urgent. If you die in your sins, or Christ returns, that door will be shut. And there's not one of you who can understand my voice that won't be saying, wait a minute, Lord, I know who you are. I heard about it lots. Let me in. The door will be shut if you have not entered through Christ. I don't care who you are. Me. If I have not put my faith and trust in Christ, I will have preached for however many years until I die. I've read the Bible many times. I will have shepherded people. And if I have not entered in through Christ Jesus, you think I won't be saying, Lord? And that door's shut. There's no getting in. For those who do not strive to enter via the narrow door of Jesus Christ alone, Jesus will not know you at that terrible day of judgment. He won't know you and you will not enter after you breathe your last or if Christ returns. That door will be shut. Seek him while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? We we did the church thing. I was there when it was negative 16 and 24 inches of snow that week. And he will declare to them, I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. The lawlessness of violating God's revealed will. The first most important Work being to believe into Jesus Christ. Repent of your sins and believe in Jesus Christ. Believe the gospel and obey Lord Jesus. Now. Right now. Today. Because there are consequences of being shut out of the kingdom. This is what Jesus is telling them. Brothers and sisters, this is the message that we should be telling people. That we seem to shy away from. It seems. There's consequences of being shut out of the kingdom. Once the master of the house has risen and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us. Then he will answer, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. These these people he's talking to are going to say to him, look, you came to our homes. We ate with you. We drank with you. You're standing right here teaching us. You taught in our streets. You were one of us. What do you mean? You don't know us. What do you mean? You don't know where I come from. I come from Jerusalem, Judea, just, just like you do. Many people all over the world. Will claim that Jesus should know them because. Jesus should know them because you went to church. Jesus should know them because. They tried to do their best. Jesus should know them because they were relatively moral compared to the next people. Jesus should know them because they read their Bible. Jesus should know them because they were raised in a Christian home. Millions and millions of people all over the world believe that Jesus should know them because of the things that they've done and because they've been near Him. But I will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. Depart from me, you unrepentant sinners. You who go on sinning and have not trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of those sins and been empowered by him to turn away from those sins, depart from me. I don't know you. I never knew you. I don't know where you're coming from. Look at, again, think about who he's talking to. These people knew Jesus existed. He's standing right there. These people heard his teaching directly from his mouth. They're standing there right there listening to him. These people would eventually know he died on a cross. These people would eventually hear of his resurrection. It is not enough to believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose from the dead. It is not enough to believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose from the dead. Every one of these people are believing that he lived. They'll, they'll, They'll say crucify him. They'll watch him die. And they'll hear of his resurrection. And they'll deny it. One must believe that Jesus is Lord. One must believe that he died, he lived, he died, and he rose for their particular sins. Because they are sinners. Not just a general belief in who Jesus is. I've told you this before, but... I don't think now. I don't know. I can't say it for all my adult children. My daughter's thirty-six years old. She would be. She would tell you that Jesus lived, Jesus died, and Jesus rose again. She would tell you that Jesus is the Son of God. That's not going to do her any good. Quite frankly, it'll make her judgment even worse than if she'd never heard those things. There's not just look at everyone in here, not just some general understanding that Jesus lived, died, and rose again, but that He lived and He died and He rose again to atone for your sins, your particular sins against the Holy God, and that you see no hope outside of that. But He will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil, depart from me. All you workers of evil. Where? Depart where? In that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom, but you yourself are cast out. Here's where you're going to go. You're going to go to a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 8, 11, 12 8, 11, and 12. I tell you, many will come from east and west, recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. While the sons of the kingdom, while you Jews, you Jews that think you know God because of your law and your lineage, you Jews will be thrown into the outer darkness. Here's what happens. Here's the consequence of having that door shut. Here's the consequence of not entering through that narrow door. You'll be thrown into outer darkness. You'll be thrown into the abyss. You'll be, you'll be thrown in a place of no light. You'll be separated from all of God's goodness. Be nothing but darkness and weeping and gnashing of teeth. moss to weep or wail. With emphasis upon the noise accompanying weeping. Ah! This is what he's saying. This is what it will be like, and a gnashing of teeth. gnashing of teeth, grinding the teeth, a sign of torment and anguish, of pain, suffering, possibly angry. Ah! That door shuts, and that's where you're going. That's where you'll be in the outer darkness. That's what you have to look forward to for all eternity. Brothers and sisters, we can't let this go. This is what people must understand. This is what my Jehovah's Witness friend Ricky must understand. This is what all annihilationists must understand. You don't die and cease to exist. Your soul lives forever. And if you have not entered through that narrow door of Jesus Christ, and that door shuts... You will live forever in anguish and torment. Forever. There is eternal torment. For anyone who doesn't enter the kingdom of God through the narrow door of faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. Matthew 8, 29, And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? This is the the demons. What do you have to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Demons know where they're headed. They are headed to hell for all eternity and be tormented. They understand the eventual perpetual torment they will have in hell. Matthew 13, 40. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels. They will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. A place of eternal burning and no presence of the goodness of God. Wailing, weeping, torment and anguish. Verse forty-seven. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers and threw, and, but threw away the bad. So will be at the end of the age. The Angels will come. They will come out and separate the evil from the righteous. And throw them into the fiery furnace in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is repeated over and over again. Everyone needs to understand this. Jesus is clearly telling him this right now. If you don't enter, and if you don't strive to enter through the narrow door, and that door shuts, you will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be an eternal torment and weeping and gnashing of teeth. Don't be confused. Listen, Sophia Grace, if you reject the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is what will happen to your eternal soul. This is true. This is what our Lord is telling us, beloved. This is the message we must tell to people that we care about. And we should care about everyone. Another warning from Jesus, parable of the wedding feast, when he's describing the kingdom of heaven in Matthew 22. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there were a man standing who had no wedding garment. What's the wedding garment? The righteousness of Christ, his robe for mine. He saw a man standing there without one. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. (laughs) This ought to scare you. This ought to put the fear of God in you. You should be fearing the one who can kill your body and throw your soul into hell forever. Anyone who is not Yet believed into Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins ought to be awfully scared right now. And if you're just blocking me out, listen to what I'm telling you. This is what Jesus is telling this audience. There is one place that you can find forgiveness for your sins. And the first thing is you better settle that account as you're going. You better recognize you are a sinner against a holy God. And you are without hope. And there's one place for the forgiveness of those sins. And His name is Jesus Christ. King Jesus. My Lord. My Savior. Matthew 24, 44. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. Listen, we've talked about this for the last few weeks in the book of Luke. He's coming. You don't know when and I don't know when. But he's coming. Make no mistake. Who then is faithful and wise servant whom his master has sent over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so when he, doing, when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. There's a reward for a faithful servant. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites in that place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's over and over and over again. The warning is here. We mustn't, brothers and sisters, avoid this Warning of the severity and the certainty of God's wrath and judgment for those who don't enter, strive to enter in and through Jesus Christ. If we are going to evangelize people, we must make them aware of this. It's what our King did. It's what our Lord did. Matthew twenty five twenty nine. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into eternal fire. Ionias, eternal. Prepare for the devil and his angels. Down in verse 46. And these will go away into eternal. Ionias. Punishment. Coleses, Punishment. Torment. Penalty. But the righteous into eternal life. Zoe Ionias. There's only two outcomes. There are two outcomes for your eternal soul. Either. In glory. No more sin. No more sorrow. No more pain. Worshipping and living with God and seeing Him as He is. Or. Torment in hell where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth forever. That's the only two places you can go. And you will go. Every single person ever born has a soul that will never die. And they're going one of those two places. And there's only one way to go to glory. And that is by faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. Mark 9, 43. And if your hand causes you to sin, (laughs) cut it off. Christians can listen. It's better for you to enter life, Zoe, crippled than with two hands and go to hell. To the unquenchable fire. Unquenchable fire. Unquenchable fire. It will not go out. And if your foot causes you sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life lame than two feet to be, and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than two eyes to be thrown into hell. Where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched forever and ever and ever. Forever and ever and ever and ever. That's what awaits anyone who doesn't enter through Christ. This is the consequences of not entering. This is the consequences of being shut out of the kingdom of God. Revelation 20, verse 10. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death. The lake of fire. You'll die once. If you have not entered into the kingdom of God, you will physically die. And then your soul will die again in Hades, in hell. That's the second death. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. The book of life contains... What? The names of all of those who have believed in Jesus Christ and called Him Lord. That's whose names are in the book of life. And everyone else will be thrown into the lake of fire. Everyone who has believed, seen their sins, turned from their sins, put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, called Him Lord from the heart, is written in the book of life. Anyone who will do what I just described is written in the book of life. And anyone who's not in the book of life are the ones who are being shut out and they're the ones that will be in the torment. They will burn forever and ever along with Satan and his, and his demons. Revelation 21.5 And he who was seated on the throne behold I am making all things new. Also he said write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, to the thirsty I will give from the spring of water, of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. (laughs) Listen, for those that are thirsty, those that know they need the the, the water, the, the water of life, Christ Jesus, they know that they will be given from the spring of water. They will be given life and they won't have to pay for it. The one who conquers, how do we conquer via Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection? That's how we conquer. So the one who conquers will have this heritage. I will be his God and he will be my son. But for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars... Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Some of you right now are afraid of what you're hearing. You're afraid of that. You're afraid of being in an eternal fire, of torment, of weeping and wailing. Well, turn from your sins and look to Jesus. Today is the day of salvation. Seek the Lord while he is near. Confess Christ as Lord. Trust in him for the forgiveness of your sins. Don't let the door shut on you. Don't let the door shut until you've repented and believed on Jesus Christ. Back to today's text. Verse 28, In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. And people will come from east and west and from north and south and recline at table of the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last will be first and some are first will be last. Remember who he's talking to. He's talking to a bunch of Jews. He's talking to a bunch of physical descendants of Abraham who believe that they're in God's kingdom because of their lineage. They believe they're in God's kingdom because of their circumcision. They believe they're in God's kingdom because of their following of the law. They believe they're in God's kingdom because they're not like those Gentile dogs. They're God's chosen people. And he's telling them, you're going to see your spiritual forefathers, your lineage, your your biological forefathers, I just say, You're going to see them in heaven, which don't now adore, but there's some sense of there's some sense that I want some people in here today. You're going to see your parents in heaven. Some of you are going to see your spouses in heaven. You're going to know they're in heaven. Because they're not going to be in hell. But wait, we went to church together. Wait, we got married. Wait, I grew up in a Christian home. Wait, I knew the, I knew the Ted Mantra. Wait, I, I memorized the scripture verse every Lord's Day. For this audience, their Jewishness was not going to help them. There was no such thing as familial entry into the new covenant. The only way to enter into the new covenant was the same way that Abraham did. By faith in God's promise to cover their sins. To send a Messiah. This is what Paul is telling the Galatians. They're wanting to add circumcision to Christianity. Galatians three one. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this: Did you receive the Spirit by works, or the law, of, or the law of the works of the law, or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected in the flesh? You foolish Galatians, you saw Christ crucified. You, did, you, did you come to salvation by hearing with faith? Or did you come to salvation by following the law and by being circumcised and being put into the, the covenant? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham Believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So Abraham believed God it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. That's what Jesus is telling this, this man here. Who are the true sons of Abraham? Those who hear with faith. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, "Cursed be everyone who is not abided by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. Look, no one can enter the kingdom of God by obeying the law. You can't be a good enough person To enter the kingdom of God. You can know the Ten Commandments. And you can do them better than your neighbor. But that will not get you into the kingdom of God. Your relative morality will do nothing for you. ...that Jesus was talking to there in Judea... ...did not think Gentiles could enter the kingdom of heaven. They thought only Jews could. And he is telling them, no. Abraham was going to be the father of many nations. Many people groups. Many types of people. Not just of a nation. That was the promise. Galatians 3. Now this would be shocking to those Jews... He, telling them that they were not in just because their parents were Jews. Galatians 3, 23, Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. In Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God Through faith, for as many of you were baptized into Christ have been put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Who are Abraham's offspring? Those who are in Christ. Those are the ones who hear by faith and receive the promise. Jesus is telling these Jews that they would be shut out of heaven even though Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were in because they had faith as do all of Abraham's true offspring and you Jews who think you're going in because of your lineage because of your circumcision you're mistaken won't get you in not biology rather by faith alone Paul, Paul speaking of Abraham in Romans 4. Why why Abraham was in God's kingdom. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham our forefather according to the flesh? For Abraham was just if Abraham was justified by works as something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and was counted to him as righteousness. So Abraham's offspring are going to believe God believe God for what? The salvation of their souls that's been shown to them in Christ Jesus. And na- now the one who works, his wages are counted as a gift, but is due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one of whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. It is, the bless, is this blessing then only for the circumcised? Or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but it was before he was circumcised. Abraham's sign, circumcision, came after he had faith. Abraham's sign came after he had faith. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. We receive the seal of baptism of the Holy Spirit when God saves us and then we partake in the ordinance of baptism as an outward sign of that inward reality, just like Abraham. Just like Abraham did. We do the very same thing. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that the righteous would, not, would be counted to them as well. And to make him the father of the circumcised, who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Abraham's entry into the kingdom was prior to circumcision. It was through faith in God's promises. It was through the blood of Jesus, who had not yet shed his blood. But it's the same way we enter, through the blood of Jesus. Abraham will not enter the kingdom of God via the old covenant. Abraham will enter the same way you and I enter, through the new covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ, by believing God that he would be the father of many nations and that there would be a sacrifice for sin. For the purpose that Abraham is offering, that we be heir of the world, not to come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherence of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law, law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. So the law brings wrath, but the law needed to be come to show that there's sin. Listen, don't get lost. Everyone in here, you have sinned. The law will prove it to you. Have you ever lied, stolen? Do you disobey your parents? The law will show you that you transgress God's ways. Now the way to enter into God's kingdom is not to do those laws that you can't seem to do. That I can't seem to do. It's not to get baptized. It's not to be born into a Christian family. It's not to do better. It's not to be relatively moral. It's not to be a man, a woman. It is not. It is. In and through Jesus Christ only. Faith in Him. That is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all His offspring. Not only the inherent of the law, but also the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, all who believe. As it is written, I have made you father of many nations. In the presence of God in whom we believe, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. Jesus was standing telling these Jews, these Jews there in Judea, prior to his death and resurrection, that entry into the kingdom of God was, kingdom of God was not via circumcision, not via the law, not via genetics, rather faith in the narrow door Jesus Christ only entry and people come from east and west recline at table in the kingdom of God look he's telling them that all types of people not just Jews would come and recline at table in the kingdom of God recline at table And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of His people He will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for Him that He might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for Him. Let us be glad and rejoice in His salvation. What a promise. Inside of this warning, inside of this telling them the door is going to shut, inside of making sure these Jews knew you're not right with God. You're not entering in the kingdom unless you come through me. But if you do you'll recline at table. For Jews, you know, lunch was a five-hour deal. And they actually laid down. They took their time. They fellowshiped. He's giving this picture. For those that do enter through the narrow door, it's not going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's going to be at the table with the Lord. Perfect. Perfect. Satisfaction. When, 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 when Isaiah is, is talking about God's judgment on Judah for rejecting him, Isaiah 65, 13, Therefore thus says the Lord God. Listen to this now. This is what Jesus is hearkening their minds to. This is what I want to hearken your minds to. Beloved, I want you to think about this. And unbeliever, I want you to see what's available through Christ. Behold, my servants shall eat, but you who reject me shall go hungry. Behold, my servants shall drink, but you shall be thirsty. Behold, my servants shall rejoice, but you shall be put to shame. Behold, my servants shall sing for gladness of heart, but you shall cry out for pain of heart and shall wail for a breaking of spirit. Those in God's forever kingdom, his eternal kingdom will eat, will drink, will rejoice and will sing for gladness forever and ever. That's the promise for those who enter. Compared to those who do not, they will hunger, they will thirst, they will, they will be shamed, and they will be where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's the two outcomes. Revelation 9, 7, 19. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. Verse 9, and the angel said to me, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. These are the true words of God. A forever wedding feast for those who have strived to enter through the narrow door. First to the Jews, also to the Gentiles. And says, behold, some who are last will be first and some who are first will be last. Listen, those who know they are last in character, that they are lowly, they are undeserving, they will be first. They will be entering in. And those who are first, those who think they're something, those who think they're in because of their own behavior or because of genealogy, they won't have a place there. This this was mind-blowing to this Jewish audience that these Gentiles would be let in. Jesus came to the Jews first, didn't he? We're not going to have time, but the, the, he went to the lady in, in Tyre and Sidon and she said, just give me the crumbs. I know I'm a Gentile, but even, even a dog deserves the crumb from the master's table. And Jesus says, your daughter's healed. Recline at table. This is what we will do tonight when we go to the Lord's Supper. We will, we will proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We will, he says, I tell you, I will not drink against the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink with new in my father's kingdom. Tonight, we will be proclaiming that one day we will be reclining at table in glory with Christ. Because we have entered, we strive to enter through that narrow door. For those who the door shuts on, you will not be reclining at table. You will be weeping and gnashing your teeth burning forever Jews and Gentiles alike again Paul takes the message to the Gentiles because the Jews rejected it what I want to know is Gentiles the message is coming to you will you listen Acts 28 28 therefore let it be known to you salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles they will listen Will you listen? Will you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are you striving to enter? Today is the day of salvation. Don't burn in hell. Recline at a table in the kingdom of God. Believe on Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Closing thought. When asked, will those who are saved be few? We should have our answer be like Jesus. Not to predict a number so small, to leave our listeners without hope, nor to make the number so large as to make the way seem easy and the road wide. Rather, to answer like Jesus and to have the questioner consider if they are striving to enter through the narrow door of faith in Christ alone. This is truth. Anyone Male or female, Jew or Gentile, old or young, brown, yellow or white, a child of believing parents, a child of unbelieving parents, rich person, poor person, relatively moral person, most vile sinner. anyone who enters via Jesus Christ will dine at table in the kingdom of God. No matter who you are. This also is equally true. Anyone, male or female, Jew or Gentile, old or young, brown, yellow or white, relatively moral, or most vile sinners, children of believing parents, or children of unbelieving parents. Anyone who does not enter via, tri- via Jesus Christ will be, remain under the wrath of God and spend eternity in unthinkable torment. So strive to enter via Jesus Christ. Anyone who puts their faith and trust in Christ alone for the forgiveness of their sins, no matter who they are, two or 102, grown man or small girl, Can't be the relatively moral. You'll have to recognize your relative morality is no good. But you might, you might be the best kid in your family. You can enter. But you won't enter because you're the best kid in your family. But anyone, anyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and enters through that narrow door will recline at table in glory forever. And anyone, the best behaved kid in the family, if they don't put their trust in Christ, You will spend eternity in torment where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth if you do not enter through the door of Jesus Christ. It is true. This is true what you're being told. Do you know you're a sinner? Not does everyone sin. Do you sin? Yeah, but not as bad as my neighbor. Do you sin? Can you live righteously before God? Can you stand before God in how you're living and present yourself as perfect? Christ did believe in Him. Or the door will shut and you will burn in hell forever. Your parents can't get you in. Your spouse can't get you in. Your pastor can't get you in. Church membership can't get you in. Christ alone is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to Father except through Him. Believe on Christ. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the, the entry, the way you've made for us to be made right with you, the reconciliation that you have given us, the free gift of salvation that can be found in Christ alone father implant upon our hearts the hearts of everyone in here the consequences of being shut out of the kingdom the misery that will be lived under forever and ever the torment the agony the hopelessness the helplessness father may the door not shut on anyone else that can hear my voice in this room That may listen in Indiana on a podcast or the, or the, the recording. Anyone who hears my voice, Father, help them to know it is either recline at table in the kingdom of God or burn in hell forever. And that Jesus Christ is the way to eternal glory. And it's in His name we pray. Amen.